You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. But he opened his lips and showed me his teeth and he growled at me. I'm thinking he's gonna kill me. 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 I'm I'm gonna die. You know, we're gonna die. It's gonna rip me apart. It's gonna rip me apart. I'm thinking he's gonna kill me and 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 he's gonna kill me. Leave me alone, go away.
You're listening to Strange Familiars. True stories of the paranormal, cryptids, hauntings, the occult, mythology, UFOs, folklore, weird and forgotten history. Please make sure to like and subscribe to Strange Familiars on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, or wherever you are listening. Please share the Strange Familiars page and episodes on Facebook and other social media. If you have experienced something strange, or if you know a story you would like us to cover, Email strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, and of course, strangefamiliars.com. Welcome to Episode 9, Bigfoot Yesterday and Today, Part 2. Just a quick note before we start, if you like what we do on Strange Familiars and you want to hear more, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. We have several different reward levels with t-shirts, books, pins, vinyl stickers, and more. Even $3 a month, though, you can get bonus content. That's extra patron-only shows and more. Check it out. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Thanks to all of our current patrons. And just so you guys know, we're working on a new patron episode now. I also want to thank everyone who stopped by to see us at the Harrisburg Comic Con and the Lancaster Punk Rock Flea Market. I was happily surprised at the number of folks who came up and said they were listeners. Some of you shared some great stories as well. So thanks for coming out. It was great to see everybody. i love to meet you. We have a couple more events coming up this summer. I'll let you know when those are happening. Let's jump into part two of Mark Blankenship's story. If you didn't catch part one, you can go back and listen to episode eight and catch up. Make sure to check out Mark's YouTube channel, Cascade Bigfoot. So I drove out there, you know, normally getting ready for one of these trips, you know, it takes a whole day to get ready. You got to download all the stuff, the footage from the previous visit on the memory cards on your computer. You got to charge all the batteries. You, you know, there's just the whole things you got to do. It takes a whole day. It takes like eight hours, you know, to do all of it, you know? And so it was Monday morning, early Monday morning. I just grabbed my backpack, a bottle of water. Uh, I had a 44 mag and a holster and the camera. And I drove out there. I had no audio via equipment, no video equipment, nothing. I thought I'll just hang it and leave. So I get out there. I, I I thought, okay, I'm going to walk in. I'm going to park the truck way back, and uh, I'm going to walk in. So I started park the truck, and I originally thought it was, you know, when you drive on the highway, it's easy to figure out a distance as far as like a half a mile or a mile. But when you get on a, a windy logging road, it's hard to figure out. I originally thought it was maybe half a mile, but later on, I ended up figuring out it was about a mile. I walked in. took me 45 minutes. I would stop and listen because I was nervous. Didn't want to be out there alone, but I thought I got to hang this for John, you know. So I get to the spot where I've been hanging those thumb cameras and I was only going to walk in a hundred feet and, uh, 
Oh, this is, man, I don't even like thinking about it. I, I tell the story, but uh, so I step off the edge of the road. I got to jump over a tiny little, what I thought originally was a ditch, but it was just a wet area. I got to jump over some water. And the forest is real thick with moss, and there's a small fallen tree, maybe, you know, two feet in diameter. I got to step over. And I didn't get that far in, you know, I maybe got, you know, maybe, you know, 30 feet in at the most. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking down at the ground trying to figure out where I'm stepping, and I'm, I'm trying not to trip and fall. And I see something out of my vision in front of me step out from a tree, and it's dark. And I look up and stepped out from a tree about 15 feet in front of me, is a juvenile what i originally thought was a older juvenile about six foot three black sasquatch and then off to my right another tree a smaller juvenile about looked just like it, it was black also a five and a half foot maybe about five and a half foot tall 170 pounds steps out from another tree and they're both standing there staring at me and this whole encounter lasted maybe 30 seconds but i i mean i originally thought in my head like I'm I'm going to die, you know, they're going to, it's going to rip me apart, you know. So I immediately took a step back and the older one, I'd say he's probably about 6'3", maybe 220, 230 pounds. And I would describe him as, as a build, as having a build of a, uh, maybe a real muscular defined cut NFL receiver or linebacker, just super solid muscle. But he didn't have like super mass yet, like, the bigger one that I've seen, you know, he's just super cut, solid muscle. And uh, so I took a step back and he took a step towards me. And then the smaller one took some real quick steps and got behind the older one. And I didn't see the smaller one uh, at any point after that. And so I'm looking at the bigger one and I look down at his hands and his hands are hanging, you know, real low, you know, down his thighs, almost to his knees. And I see, see he's moving his fingers and I see his nails, his nails are like, kind of an orangish yellowish color like almost like you had nail fungus kind of you know and so um i took uh i took another step back and he took another step towards me and this time he didn't open his teeth but he opened his lips and showed me his teeth and he growled at me and he kind of motioned with his lips kind of in a weird gesture you know he's like Grr. so i immediately turn you know out of fear you know i mean I, I was i had a 44 mag on my hip and he's at this point his steps were bigger than mine so he's about 12 feet from me i don't want to take a shot you know and so i turn and i start to make a break for the edge of the road and i'm a disabled vet i have a hard time walking and it's hard to run uh, I, I walk with a heavy limp so i'm trying to get over the log and get to the edge of the road and I took maybe one step, and he was already on me, not touching me, but I can feel he's right behind me, you know. And so I make it to the edge of the road, and I put my foot on the gravel in the road, and he hit me from behind. I don't know if it was a, a fist, a palm of his hand. I think it might have been a palm of his hand, like a hit and a push. But he hit my backpack between my shoulder blades, and I ro flew and rolled uh, head over heels and landed on the opposite side of the road. And I landed on my left side, and I had my backpack on, and I was trying to roll over to my right and reach down to my holster and undo it. And I noticed he's over my right shoulder right behind me. And I'm thinking he's going to kill me, you know, but he turns and he starts to walk across the road away from me. And I'm, I have my hand on the 44 and I'm thinking, you know, I could put six in his back, but 
he's not a threat to me at this point, you know. But I remember watching him walk away. I mean, it was like his calves are solid muscle, his thighs are solid muscle, the, his V-shaped back. I mean, he just super ripped. I mean, his hair was really short on his body, just solid muscle, you know. And his butt was covered in looked like a bunch of dried feces, you know. And uh, I didn't smell anything though. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. They didn't have an, a, an odor to him. And so he, he he walked back into the woods. And I got up and I made uh, a heavy limping jog back to my truck. Just freaked out, like they're gonna come after me. You know, they're gonna kill me. They're you know the whole way back to my truck. You know, it was a, the most scariest thing I've ever been through. You know, so I, can I get there and I yeah, and I get in my truck and I close the door and I throw the keys in and I like tear out of there, you know, and, and it's 30 minute drive to cell phone range. And I call my buddy and I told him what happened. And he's like, man, you went out there alone. And I said, dude, I said, he goes, did you get any footage? And I said, no, I just grabbed the stuff and left. I, there was no planning involved. I just grabbed it and left and I had no camera, you know, and, uh, He's all, man, we got to go back and get revenge. And I said, no, I said, he could have killed me and he didn't. He sent me a message and I, and I thought about it. What happened is, is, you know, I've left food there so many times for him that somehow they knew I was there and they thought like that guy that leaves the, the those red things and those candy bars is here. When he leaves, when he, when he puts the food down, we'll get him when he leaves, you know? Well, I didn't. This time I walked in on him, you know? And I think by him hitting me, you know, as soon as I put my foot on the gravel road out of the, out of the forest, he hit me from behind as if to say, like, you know, you don't come in here. You stay out here. You know, don't come in here. You know, you know, I told that story quite a few times and other people were saying, you know, he was showing his dominance over you by doing that. And so that's fine and dandy. I said, as long as you didn't rip my head off, you know. Sure. <laughs> Did did the face on the young ones look different than than the older one you saw? No, no. In fact, these two looked very similar. In fact, they didn't look anything like the first one I saw. The first one I saw had no hair on the face, and his hair was silver. Like the first one looked like uh, he had Down syndrome. You know, these two were more apish. They were black, uh, short hair. You know, if you were to put hair on the big one, you know, the same kind of features where it had a human hooded nose, the eyes were inset, the lips were the same distance from the bottom of the nose, and the uh, lips were real wide on the face, but these two looked more apish for some reason. I don't know, maybe it was the color of the hair and because they had hair on the face, but I remember looking into the bigger one's eyes, and they were black, but I could see a slight amber tint where the retina is maybe, you know, just this kind of amberish tint in his eyes you know yeah and uh when he showed me his teeth they were like human teeth but real big almost like horse teeth but they were yellow and, and brownish you know obviously like he never brushed his teeth you know obviously but uh you know he didn't open his teeth he just gestured with his lips like maybe chimps or apes do you know it's kind of this weird you know growling gesture and then you know he's he's moving his fingers you know in a rapid motion and i remember looking at his fingernails and you know and yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty scary. Um, so I told Doug, I said, uh, I said, I'm done, dude. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm, I'm done. And so, um, you know, he, he, we talked about it, you know, for hours and days. You know, you know, talking on the phone, and I, and uh, I just said, I don't know if I can do it, man. I said, uh, he wanted to go out there, and I said, I just, I don't know. This was on May 16th of last year, 2016. 
it was almost a year ago. It was, uh, wow. Yeah, May May sixteenth, and uh, so I, I had nightmares about that for for uh, I, I still sometimes have nightmares about it, but that 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 bothered me. But I thought, you know, man, they could have killed me, and they didn't. You know, he 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 could have ripped me apart. I think he just sent me a message like, "Don't come in here." You know, so we agreed. It was it was a Memorial Weekend last year, late in May, a couple of weeks later. And I told Doug, I said, he wanted to overnight out there in tents. And I was like, man, I don't know, dude. I said, I'm not going to the original site, you know, back, you know, as far as we can get into the original site, you know, near the siding area. I said, I'm not going anywhere near where this happened at. I said, there's this one wooden bridge out there. It's an old wooden bridge. It's not a covered one, but like, uh, you know, it's really old. I said, I'll go as far as that wooden bridge and I'll camp there on the side of the logging road intense and I won't go any further so we drive out there and hit it it was Saturday I mean it was like in the high 80s and but it had been Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and so we get to where that bridge is and we drive across it and we pull over to where we're going to camp and it was heavily shaded but it was all muddy and I said oh man I said I'm I'm not camping here in the mud and I said I'm not going in any further either and so we thought okay let's go back across the bridge and drive down this other logging road that parallels the river, and we thought we'll try and find some place to get down on the river and look for footprints uh, in the sand, you know. So we drive a little further down, a couple miles down this logging road. It kind of parallel. You can't see the river through the woods, but it's over there, and it's a little kind of flat. And we found this little dirt turnout. Uh, it looked like an old, old road, but it was real overgrown. And so I said, hey, let's turn in here. It looks like it heads towards the river. So we turn in there. And we're pushing through tree branches, you know, uh, so, you know, so overgrown. And we come to an opening, uh, maybe 60 feet wide and a couple hundred, maybe 150 feet long. And uh, I thought, let's let's stop here. We get out of the truck and there's like this real old fire ring of rocks. And then there's an old tent that looked like it had been there for, you know, three, four or five years, whatever. It was collapsed and sun faded and had holes in it and there was an old Coleman camp stove that was all rusty and uh, had weeds growing out of it and there was a, a lantern there and there was this old stack of firewood that had weeds growing out of it. it looked like somebody abandoned their camping equipment and so uh, I told Doug I said yeah we'll just park right here I said let's get some cameras and our backpacks and our guns and there was like a primitive looking trail that was quite overgrown like an opening through the trees that looked like it headed towards the river so we climbed through there and um, it's a couple hundred yards down to the river. It goes, you know, winds through and up over some small little inclines and declines, and it ends up right on the edge of the river. And so we spend two or three out there, hours out there walking the riverbank, and we found some footprints uh, in, the, in the sand near the river. And so uh, we decided, okay, let's go back to the truck. Well, both of us had worked all night Friday night, and now it's late Saturday afternoon, probably 4 or 5 o'clock, and uh, I thought, man, this looks like a good place to camp. I said, we'll just camp here, you know, and uh, it's pretty quiet. So we cooked on his bed of his tailgate of his truck. We had some steaks and then some baked beans, and we ate some potato salad, and we set up our tents. And uh, But both of us forgot to bring a camping chair. And by the time we finished eating, uh, got everything cleaned up and put away, it was, you know, after 7.30. And here that late in Washington in May, it doesn't get dark till around 10 o'clock at night, you know. So we're sitting in the truck. It was still light out. It was maybe 
pushing eight o'clock, sometimes seven forty-five, eight o'clock, and I'm in the passenger seat, he's in the driver's seat, and I'm kind of nodding off, and we have the windows down, and off in the woods to the left, maybe fifty yards away, we hear this loud whoop, woo, you know, and then an immediate response behind the truck in the trees, another one, woo, and then an immediate response to the right of the truck in the trees, woo, and I'm just, I'm just like, man, did you hear that? And he's like, yeah, and I said, dude, I. Man, there's something's going on. I said, I, I, I can't do this, man. I, I, I can't do it, you know. And he said, well, maybe, you know, this is all coincidental. Maybe they'll just observe from a distance. And, I, I, and he ain't got the keys to the truck. I want to leave. He, he doesn't want to leave, you know. And uh, I, I do not want to be there. And I thought, man, we're really, something's going to happen, you know. I, I just, I, I don't want to be here. So at that point, you know, we had already used you know, the camera equipment, you know, we, at that, we, we were still only six or seven months into this. I didn't have very much camera equipment. My auto recorder was already, you know, taken by one of them in the bucket. We had no extra batteries or nothing. We were just going to camp there and then leave the following morning, you know, because we had used them all walking around on the riverbank earlier. So I, I get, I grab my backpack and I had my tent, my, my sleeping bag already in the tent. And I had two handguns. I had a a 45 and I had a Smith and Wesson 500, a 50 caliber revolver. And I thought, I'm just going to get in the tent and I'm so tired. I'll, I'll just try and sleep and, you know, maybe I won't hear anything. So, uh, my tent was, uh, like two feet from his right rear wheel. There was like two feet of space there. Doug was another, maybe five or six feet from me. And he had left, he was all, I want to look at the stars tonight. He left the rain fly off of his tent. So all he had was the screen above him which is pretty, pretty brave. You know, Doug's a pretty brave guy. Not a lot scares him, you know, but he, he's, he's seen him out there. You know, he's seen one cross a, a game trail behind us and, uh, you know, he, he knows what's going on. You know, he's, he's seen him, he's seen the footprints and, uh, you know, he's a little frightened, but he said he's, he, he's not, he's not, he's not as afraid as I am. I'm, I'm terrified, you know, after what's happened. And, uh, so I get in my tent and he gets in his and, I take my boots off and I'm laying there on, it's so hot. I'm just laying on top of the sleeping bag and uh, I hear um, this thump on the side of my tent and I'm like, man, what's that? And well, then I hear another thump, but this time I see an indentation hit my tent and I thought they're throwing rocks. And so I yelled out to Doug. I said, Doug, man, they're throwing rocks. And he goes, yeah, one just hit the screen above me. I saw it hit the tent. And I said, I can't do this, Doug. I want to leave. And he's like, you know, he's got the keys. You know, the truck's locked up. You know, I got no choice. You know, he goes, no. He goes, just go to sleep, you know. So I'm laying there. Within 15 minutes, he's snoring, you know. It's still light out. And I hear, you know, that I'm, my, my tent's getting pelted with rocks. And then it got quiet for a few minutes. And then I'm hearing this uh, thumping noise. And it's still, it's st- if, if I'd gotten out of the tent, it's still light out. You know, at that point, it's maybe 930 it's it's still light out. I could have got out, but I was I was scared. I was freaked out of my mind. I wasn't getting out of the tent no matter what. I'm hearing this thumping noise, and it's like right out coming from all sides of us, and it sounds like it's right outside the camp, you know. And I originally thought, after listening to it, they were thumping, their, pounding their feet on the ground, but I went and listened to some stuff, and I talked to a few other people, and they suggested maybe they were pounding their chest. And it, it kind of sounded more of, body tissue to body tissue than foot on because it's more of a consistent sound, you know, like yeah. they're beating their chest, you know? Yeah. 
And so they're beating their chests, and I'm just freaked out of my mind, like, you know, they're going to kill us, you know, Doug's snoring away, and I, you know, I, I want to leave, and I'm in my tent shaking, you know, really bad. Well, then it got quiet for a few minutes, and then they started with the rocks, and about 10 o'clock, it got dark. I remember just laying there, you know, I can't see the sun out of my tent anymore. Uh, now it's dark, and now they're going to get even, you know, they're more active at night. Now they're going to get even braver. They're going to actually come into the camp, you know. So I had my watch on, and I, about midnight, I hear this, uh, I'm right next to the truck, and if you or, or a woman has long fingernails and she touches, you know, the hood on a car or something, you can hear a tap with her fingernails. I hear this tapping on the truck like fingernails, you know, and I'm, I hear something slowly move between my tent and the truck and I'm right next to the right rear wheel and there's like two feet of space there. This thing slowly shuffles past the bike pedal. I can hear the steps move past between me and the truck, and I'm thinking, it's right outside the camp, man, it's right, right outside here, it's, you know, it's right next to me, what am I going to do, you know, so I could hear it walking through the camp, you know, so one of them obviously got a little brave and came in to get a closer look, you know, and see if we were awake, well, Doug's snoring, you know, obviously, I don't know if they snore and they know what that is, but, and I'm just quiet in the tent, you know, I mean, I'm shaking like a scared puppy, and then uh, around, uh, I remember at 10, 10.32, no, no, this, let me back up a little bit. 10.32, I heard a tree push over right next to our camp. It's all crack, boom, and it hit the ground. And then at midnight, you know, they came came through the camp, you know, but they were trying to scare us off. They didn't want us there. They wanted us to leave, you know, with the rock throwing, the chest pounding, the tree push over. And then they came into the camp and were walking through the camp. And then at one point... They started running through the camp, and then they started bluff charging my tent. And I'd hear these loud pounding footsteps come running towards my tent. Boom, 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 boom! And they would stop right at my tent, and they were bluff charging my tent, you know, trying to scare us out of there. At one point, around two o'clock in the morning, Doug had woke up and he yelled out to me. He said, "Mark, are you awake?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes, "They're in the camp." He goes, "One just walked past my tent." He goes, "I could." hear the footsteps and hear the vibrations. You feel the vibration. And I said, dude, you slept through 99% of it. I haven't slept. They've been in the camp all night, man. And I uh, said, so they pushed a tree over, you know, I, you know, we're talking for about 15 minutes and then he fell back asleep. And then I hear this, uh, you know, be, then they started bluff charging and run, they'd run through the camp and like slap the side of our tent. You hear the footsteps, boom, 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 and slap the side of your tent and then run off or bluff charge the tent and my entire time, I'm in the tent. I'm just freaked out. Well, then I hear the slow footsteps come up to my tent, and I hear this weird kind of crinkling noise. Like uh, if you take a one of those blue tarps and you squeeze it, it's all crunch, you know, crinkling, you know, crunch, 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 you know, whoosh, whoosh, you know, noise. And uh, your your tent is kind of made the the tub of the floor. Your tent is kind of made of that tarp material. Why? I'm like, man, what, what, what's that noise? You know, it's like right next to me. What, what is it? And I feel the floor under my tent slowly move under me, you know, a little bit, like an inch or two. And I'm like, what, 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 what? And what they were doing is I turned my headlamp on, and I thought when I turn my headlamp on, it'll stop, but it didn't. I turn my headlamp on, and at the base where my feet are, I, I see these massive hands, like this, twice the size of mine, and I see these knuckles, and it's grabbing my tent at the base, and it's squeezing it. And I can see these massive knuckles pushing from hands pushing in 
on the nylon, you know, and it likes the sound of, of the squinching noise, you know, it's squeezing the bottom of my tent, you know, and then it would run off and a little while later it would come back again and do the same thing again. And, and I thought, you know, what if they drag my tent off into the woods and kill me, you know? So I get up on my butt and I grab my 45 and I cock the hammer back and I have the safety off and I have, you know, the front and barrel of my gun right up to the edge of the tent. And if they were going to pull, I was just going to empty my magazine. You know, I had, uh, it was an FNX 45 that holds, uh, 15 plus one. So I had four, four magazines. I had 60 rounds of 45 and then I had the 500 with five rounds in it. And I was just going to empty that magazine, but luckily they didn't, you know? And so, uh, you know, every second of that night seemed like a minute and every minute seemed like an hour. And at one point, uh, when they came back over to mess with my tent again, I thought I'm going to speak out, you know, and I spoke out, you know, I was like, you know, leave me alone, leave me alone, just go away, leave me alone, you know, and I just kept repeating, leave me alone, go away, I was, you know, like in a frightening, you know, scared, you know, I mean, and so this went on, you know, probably till around 4 o'clock, and then at 4.15, I slightly see the sun come up, and I'm thinking it's, that, that you know, it, it, it's over, you know, and then I hear about 5 o'clock, uh, I hear the zipper on Doug's tent, and I hear him shuffling around. I was like, Doug, are you up? And he's, yeah. And I said, you out of your tent? And he said, yeah. And I said, uh, unlock your truck, man. I said, you see anything? He said, no. And I said, okay. So I grabbed my boots and I grabbed my backpack and my firearms. I, I got in his truck and I locked the door. He comes over. He's like, what are you doing? I said, I want to leave right now, dude. I want to go now. I want to leave right now. He goes, don't you want your tent? I said, nope. Leave it. I don't want it. I want to leave right now. So he, you know, undid the poles of his tent and kind of threw it in the back of his truck. And he gets in. He's like, what's going on? I said, dude, you heard what was going on. You, but you slept through 99% of it. And I said, man, they would not leave me alone, you know. And uh, I said, I'm done, dude. I'm I'm, I'm done. I said, you know, I'm done. I, I just, I had enough, man. And so that was Memorial Weekend uh, last year. And uh, I wasn't done, you know. We still have gone out there dozens of times since. But uh, that was... But that was that was scary, man. That was really scary. In fact, uh, later on, I looked at Google Earth and, and at the maps, and then what I didn't realize is is that where we were camped at near the river is directly across the river from our original siding area. If you were to walk through the woods, cross the river, and walk up another 300, 400 yards through the woods, you would be at the original siding area. It's directly across the river. <laughs> <laughs> So have you and I didn't realize it. Have you camped there since? Yeah. We did uh in July, but this time we slept in the truck and we had a fire, campfire going all night just because I was uh so freaked out of my mind. Um and they never they never came in. Doug would get out every now and then throw a log on on the fire, but and they never they never came in. And I don't know if if they just weren't in the area at that time, maybe they were in a hunt in a different area in the valley because the valley is over 30 miles long and there's one way in and one way out all the logging roads dead end everywhere you go so they just might they might they might not have been afraid to come in because of the fire and sauce in the truck because and i didn't sleep at all i was up in the right front passenger seat the whole night looking out you know all the windows you know like you know i was i was on alert you know i was scared but uh yeah uh, i went back uh uh probably two weeks after that with dr briggs hall and uh, you know i told him what had happened and he's a big game camera guy and i'm not and 
he's been real nice to us. And, uh, so he said, I, he goes, he goes, I want to go hang my game cameras out there. And he goes, will you go with me and do an overnight? And I said, uh, yeah, but I won't camp in that spot. I said, I'll go with you. So we went out there to that, to that same spot and he, he hung up 10 game cameras and he goes, we're just going to leave them overnight and we'll come back in the morning and get them. So I was out there with him all day. We were hanging them and he brought a ladder and he's putting them high up in the trees and nothing could mess with them, you know, and we hung them all up and then we drove further into the valley to a real primitive campsite that had an outhouse. And I was shocked to see uh, some other people about a hundred yards away tent camping. And we tent camped in a, you know, I'd been up once again all night, Friday night working, and it was Saturday. It was like 8 p.m. and I and I told you, know, I said, "Hey, man, I, I gotta go to bed. I've been up like, you know, over over a whole day." You know, and he was kind of disappointed because he wanted to build a fire and sit around the fire and talk. You know, and, and so like 5:30, I crashed out, and so his tent was about 100 feet from mine, and I woke up about 10:45 and uh, was laying there, and I I feel something under my uh the floor in my tent you know this time i have a, now i have a different tent and i thought oh it's like a a ground squirrel or a rodent or something is under my tent and it's moving around and what i you know and so i'm laying there thinking that you know that something is a is stick is 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 under my tent moving around you know it's like right at the edge of my tent like it would come i feel it come in and then like it would get to where it would feel the pressure of my pillow and my head and stop and then it would move again further around my tent like it was something was moving around trying to get all the way under but it couldn't you know and so then i hear but then i'm listening quiet you know it's dead silent out there and then i started listening you know closer and i'm hearing bipedal footsteps around my tent and then i smell something like i have never smelled like all you know the encounters i've had i've never smelled the smell that people talk about but i smelled this smell you know, I mean, it was made my eyes water. It was so overwhelming. It smelled like uh, rotten meat and feces, you know. I mean, it was just, God, it was nasty. And I was just like, and I hear this walking around my tent, and I'm just like, what the heck is, you know, what is going on, you know. So I turned my headlamp on, and it stopped. All, all Everything stopped. And then, uh, so I laid there till probably five, probably six hours till the sun started to come up, you know. I didn't hear anything after that. And uh, so I get out of the tent, and I'm looking around around my tent, and uh, it's hard packed ground, and I don't see any footsteps or anything. Dr. Hall had already been up for a couple hours, and he was drinking some coffee. And I said, uh, hey, did you hear anything last night? He goes, no, man. He goes, I I slept hard. He goes, I didn't hear nothing. And I didn't say anything to him because, you know, he didn't see it and get a picture of it or a film of it or casting of it it didn't happen you know so I didn't, I didn't say anything to him but now that i look back on it what i think this thing was doing is it was sticking its hand under my tent to feel maybe where i was positioned at in the tent you know because it went all the way around the tent you know you, you you could hear the the floor moving and then you know i could slightly see and feel something pushed up against my leg or, or my feet you know and it went around the whole tent on the side of my body like it was trying to feel where i was at in the tent you know and then the smell too. It was uh, it was it was overwhelming, you know. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs, so your plan works for you. 
Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Have you ever run into the, the thing where the woods go dead quiet? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've been out there before and there's like birds and squirrels and, you know, twerping, you know, twi- you know, and then you go out there and there's nothing. Just dead silence. I mean, in, 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 in the daytime. You know, I mean, nothing, just dead. Yeah, that's that's pretty frightening, man. That, that, and there's been times too we've been out there and nothing happened. You know, we've been out there, oh, probably over four dozen times, and uh, we've been out there disappointed where absolutely nothing happened all day. We haven't overnighted out there uh, since uh, the end of last summer, but uh, we're planning something coming up here. It's been raining quite a bit, but. Uh, so yeah, it's been real, real, real frightening stuff going on. And, uh, you know, I started the YouTube channel. I talked with a gentleman named Doug Highcheck who produced the Monster Quest series because I wanted to get, like, some kind of documentary made or something, you know, try and get some of this stuff, you know, on, you know, jitterlight, you know, you know, on film, you know. And uh, I sent him some of my stuff, and he got back to me, and he said, listen, he goes, I'm, he, I'm not ready to invest in a, in a Bigfoot documentary right now he goes but your stuff you have is it's pretty good he goes it's not doing you or anybody else any good just sitting on your hard drive he goes start a youtube channel and start showing people and so that's kind of how our youtube channel cascade bigfoot uh, has has come to be you know and it's you know i maybe have four thousand subscribers you know i'm not by any means any kind of uh real popular person or anything and we haven't we're not in it for the money. I mean, personally, every time we go out there, it's hundred dollars in gas, uh, round trip. And I, myself, I, I have probably around $10,000 put into this already between gas and camera equipment and some firearms and everything else. You know, I kind of tallied it up and I couldn't buy a set of tires with what I've made off of YouTube. You know, some people criticize me on YouTube saying, Oh, you're just in it for the money. Uh, there, there's no money to be made. You know, I'm not one of these people with two million subscribers. You know, so right. Um, so yeah. So like, I, li- I like to walk 
in, in the summertime, a good place to find tracks is along the river during the winter time and the spring, you know, the snow melts, not a good time because the river's real high. There's not a lot of sand exposed, you know? So last summer, Doug and I spent a lot of time walking the river and uh, we found quite a few tracks and we found some areas where we found one spot in particular where tracks like come right out of the water. Like, you know, they cross the river from the other side and they walk across the sand you know, up, you know, up an embankment, you know, 100 feet across the sand and into the trees. Well, kind of the only good prints you're going to get in sand is if the sand's kind of wet, you know, if they're walking in wet sand or in dry sand, you're not going to get a good print. You can see where they walked, but you're not going to get a real, the sand has to be kind of damp, you know. Right. So, you know, depending on the water levels rising and, and whatever or, or whatever, you're really you're only going to get a couple prints right out of the water. And then you'll be able to see the rest of them, but they're not they're not usable. So there was this one spot where we kept finding prints, and and so and then we went back uh, uh, probably the third or fourth time, and this time there's no prints. There's uh, sweet marks, like something grabbed a tree branch and came across the river with it and sweeped its prints behind it as it walked with a branch with leaves on it. And I took a picture of it. It's literally right out of the water, and it's it's dragging something's dragging a branch behind it, covering its tracks up into the woods. And hmm. so, what I, I guess the point I'm getting at is, it, we've been there so many times. It obviously saw us taking photos of these tracks, and then, like I said, they're highly intelligent. My theory is, you know, I don't have proof, but my theory is, is that now it's covering its tracks by dragging something behind it and sweeping its tracks away. Yeah, and well, I mean, I've heard of that before. I've heard people say they, they backtrack in their own tracks. Or they seem to be self-aware in that sense. Right, yeah. And early on, in fact, it was the first trip back with the, the, our first trip back and the first trip, like I mentioned in the earlier in the interview, that Dr. Hall went with us. When we were out there that day, we found this weird track. I didn't know what it was, and Dr. Hall, who's a wildlife veterinarian, knows all animal tracks. I mean, he knows all vegetation in the woods. He knows every track, you know, of any kind of animal that's, that's on the ground. We found this track that was like thir- 12 or 13 inches long, and a Bigfoot has a fat heel, you know. But the, this this foot was V-shaped, and the, and the heel was real narrow, and it had a, you know, it was kind of rounded in the end, but the foot was V-shaped, and there was like four toes, and they had what looked like claws on, on or long nails on the ends of the toes. And so we looked at him, and I didn't know what it was, and he said he'd never seen anything like that in his life. He didn't know what it was, and so we just kind of blew it off, like maybe it was an, an anomaly, you know, maybe it wasn't a print at all, but, it, I mean, it, it was in, you know, soft ground, and, I mean, it was a print, you know, and so I didn't know what it was. And then a couple of my videos, I, I missed them, but some people pointed out some images to me. There's some, like, like wolf creatures, like they have, like, a Bigfoot, you can see part of part of the upper body, but there's like a dog, uh, like a snout of a dog, and it has pointed ears on top of its head. And so I sent some of that stuff to Vic Cundiff, and he told me that those are dog men. And then I found some odd looking those some of those odd looking prints again, different sizes, you know. And uh, some some of them actually even had three toes. And he said those are those are dog men tracks. So, um. I mean, there's Bigfoot and Dogman out here. I mean, I didn't even know what a Dogman was, you know. This is in the same area. Same area. 
so I didn't even know I didn't even know what a dog man was, you know. And a freaky, you know. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. Those uh, if uh and so, if Bigfoot's scary enough then you add the dog man on. <laughs> yeah. So this last we went out there last Sunday and I put a video up on our YouTube page, but there's dog man impressions in the moss where we went. You know, like in the beginning of the video, I show in February, Doug and I, it, was snow, it snowed out there, and we drove in, and we were the first vehicle in. There was no tire tracks on the road or nothing. We drove way back in there, and as we were driving in the snow, I had it in four-wheel drive, and uh, there's probably six inches of snow on the ground, and I see, we see these prints cross the road and go into the woods, and so we get out, and had, I brought the video camera, and we there they'd have been snowed on. There's probably an inch of snow that fell on them after they were made. But what was really odd about the tracks is they're in a straight line. Like a human walks, you know, you can see in the snow, their prints are kind of side by side, you know. These steps are like in front of one or the other, you know, almost in a perfectly straight line, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we, we followed them up into the, the tree line and then it starts to get into some brush and mixture of snow and the forest retains heat and some of the snow in the forest had already melted so we thought, okay, we'll keep this under our hat. You know, this is going to be a good spot to come check out. Well, then after the snow melted a couple months ago, it was early, I think early April, late March, early April, we went in there and we went to the same spot. And we found a bunch of impressions in the moss on both sides of the road there. So then we went back last Sunday and walked back in there for the first time. And I took a bunch of pictures of uh, what looks like some Bigfoot impressions, but there's those three and four toed impressions in the moss again of kind of v-shaped tracks you know and uh we walked back in there probably 300 yards and doug and i split up a little bit he was he was you know i don't i don't, I don't like being alone out there I, and i don't and uh, usually you hear about people going missing you know a group goes out there and <laughs> it's always the the guy that's in the back that uh you know uh the weaker of the two you know which you know i'm you know, i'm limping so but uh so he comes back over and he's like, Hey, there's something moving over here. I could hear, I could hear it breathing. And I said, well, I, I can't get over this down tree. Let's walk around the back side of it. So we walk in the video to the other side, kind of towards the root ball and we're standing there. And then we hear these tree knocks about 50 to 75 yards from in the direction we came in. And there was 10 successions of like six or seven tree knocks. It was all boom, 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 boom. And then there you wouldn't hear anything for, you know, 30, 30 to 60 seconds. And then boom, 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 boom. And then you hear it again. And, um, it's hard to get, if you, if you listen with headphones on, you turn your volume up, you know, I could barely just hear them on my camera pick, picked up a couple of them. But, uh, so yeah, that was, that was last Sunday. And so now we're going to, we're going to go out there again this weekend, but it's raining. So hopefully next week, you know, we're going we're gonna to go back out to that same spot. How do you steal yourself for that? I mean, is it just, I mean, I mean, I guess you got your buddy I mean, with you. I could, yeah, I, I wouldn't go alone. And, and uh, you know, one of the videos I took my neighbor when, when Doug wasn't available, and I had an uneasy feeling the whole time. And and I told my neighbor, I'm not taking you unless you bring your own firearm, you know. And uh, so he did. But, yeah, I, I it's an adrenaline rush. And I am scared, man. I mean, the drive out there, the closer and closer we get, you know, I mean, I, you know, sometimes I start shaking, you know, the closer we get into like our original siding area. Now that they removed all the down trees last June and we were able to go back in there, I will not go to our original siding area without a high powered rifle. I have a, an AR 10, which is a 30, a semi-automatic 308. I won't go there without it. 
just because the of the big ten footer that was that I saw there. I just I just won't go there. And I mean, I, I caught some criticism for it, and, and Doug will carry a shotgun into that spot. But uh, uh, the other spots, yeah, I, I, I'm sure maybe one point, you know, I'll see another ten footer or maybe the same one again, you know. But it's it's an adrenaline rush, man. I mean, I don't like splitting up from Doug, and, and I told him I said I, I'll never split up far enough from you where we can't see one another. Because you know, I'm I'm disabled vet. I can't climb over you know a four foot round you know down tree. You know, I, my legs just won't do it, and uh, I'm only good for about four or five miles of walking anyway. There's a couple times where you know he's gone on another you know 30, 40 yards, and uh, it's, it's it's an adrenaline rush, man. I mean, it's hard to see stuff out there, and then you know I hear I hear movement in the brush, and then I hear tree knocking, and then we can hear that strange talking. But we can't see them. And then I'll post a video, and then I'll get all these people send me messages. Man, you guys missed it. There's a face at, you know, 12 minutes and 48 seconds, you know, right to the left of that big tree. You know, you missed it, you know. And I get a bunch, you know, I've gotten like probably a half a dozen or more messages from the video I just posted last week about that. Man, it was like 50 feet from you. There was a, a face that leans out from a tree and then steps back. It was like right right near you. You missed it. I, ne- I never, you know, and then I'll watch the video and, and see it. You know, my, my camera's pointed in that direction. But my eyes might not have been looking at that same spot, you know. And, right, uh, right. And then knowing that you were that close to it and you didn't even know it was there, I mean, that, it's 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 freaky, man. Are you um, still hanging food? Um, we haven't hung any so far this year. I think it might be a good idea if we did in this new spot if we take some peanut butter and maybe some candy bars and apples in there. And uh, there is one spot. Actually, we didn't find the spot. This one spot on our own. We get there. Somebody gave us a lead where they went out and camped, and there was tree knocking around their camp all night, and then there was footsteps through their camp all night. And so we go out to this spot, and uh, we slept in the truck. And before I uh, we left the following morning, I took a jar of peanut butter and I took the lid off and I took the foil seal off of it and I put smeared a little bit of peanut butter on the outside of it and I screwed the lid back on and I stuck it in this. Uh, rotted tree stump down about a foot and a half where if you didn't have hands, you wouldn't have been able to grab it. You know, a bear would have had to rip the stump apart to get to it. And so we came back uh, three weeks later and found, an, you know, there was an impression in the moss and then the lid was laying there on the ground and the jar was gone. So whatever whatever found it was able to, you know, smell it, you know, pull the jar out of the rotted stump and unscrew the lid. Yeah. Need, uh, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, you need opposable thumbs. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the original siding area, uh, we were leaving a lot of food on that same log that we found the mushrooms and slugs and snails on. We would leave uh, apples and candy bars. Uh, One time we left the fish, and they never took the fish, but candy bars and apples would be gone. And it's kind of on this log log that's maybe three to three and a half feet in diameter, and you can't step over it. you got to kind of roll over the top of it. And every time we've tried to roll over the top of it, we'd hear this growling and grunting in the brush, you know, maybe 100, 100 feet beyond that. We've never been able to get over that log. Every time we've tried to go over it, there's always something that's kind of sending us a warning, you know, like, you know, you know, you hear a grunt or a growl, you know. But we've, we've left food there and then come back the following morning and we found, uh, I took some photos of some impressions in the moss of footprints, you know, that... Uh, so we know what Squatch has taken it. In fact, one time um, we went out there on a uh, Saturday just before it got dark, and I took a bucket, and we put a bunch of apples and candy bars in it, and I took some paracord, 
and I tied it in our, uh, through the par- tied the paracord around a tree, threw it over a branch, and tied it around uh, the bucket in a, with a bowline knot and, and pulled it up. So it was pretty probably seven or eight feet off the ground, probably eight feet. We left and we came back the first the following morning at sunup, and the paracord is there, and the bowline knot is untied and the bucket's gone. And so we started looking around and we found the bucket. I don't know, it was maybe a couple hundred feet away in the woods, and it was empty, you know. And uh, so whatever it took, it un- untied the bowline knot and took took the food. The cord and, and was, the bucket. The cord wasn't broken. In other words, the knot was untied. No, no, it was it was it was it was untied. A bowline knot. The harder you pull, the tighter it gets, you know. Yeah. And so yeah, the the branch it was untied, you know. Yeah, it was it was untied. There's there's no right or wrong answer to this. I, I'm you know, I, and I vary back and forth really depending on the day. Are, are your impression that these are just natural animals, just apes in the woods, or, or is there something else going on? Yeah, I think they're just uh, an undiscovered species uh, in the world, you know? I mean, they're probably the most skittish creature on the planet. They don't want to be seen for some reason. And uh, I don't know if they're afraid of us or... You know, they might see us as a threat. You know, there's a lot of people say that they want to go do some Jane Goodall research and become friends with them. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I, I think they're uh, they're a wild animal, but I think they're super intelligent too. They're able to reason, and uh, like we've tried to trick them numerous times with these cameras and food, and they always seem to be one step ahead of us and figure and have it figured out before we even have it figured out. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, it, it's. Yeah. I, I just think they're some undiscovered species. And, you know, there was one time, it's actually on one of our videos. This has never happened to me, but uh, it happened to Doug. Doug was maybe 15 feet to my left, and he goes, did you hear that? And I said, no, what are you talking about? He goes, something just yelled like it was in my head. It yelled, whoa! Like in this, he said this real deep commanding voice. I said, Doug, I didn't hear anything. You know, he's like right next to me. And he goes, dude, I just, it was like in my head. You know, I didn't know what to think, you know, and he, and he swore the whole way home. And every time we talk, he goes, dude, those things, it like said something to me in my head. And I said, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. I said, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Yeah. And he swears to it, man. He swears, he swears it happened, you know, like it was mind speaking to him, you know. There's just enough weirdness to go along with these things to, to throw these question marks in all the time. Yeah. The other thing with him just going back to sleep, I mean, there, there's other stories of that. Witnesses, you know, who look over, look out the window and see one of these creatures at the window. The proper response, I would think, would be to freak out. But they'll right. say they, they just turned over and went back to sleep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, like the night in my tent when we camped out there and they were messing with us all night, there was a couple of times where I nodded off for maybe just a couple of minutes because I was so tired, but then I would wake up like, you know, like when you wake up, you're, when you're dreaming and you fall, you're falling, you know? Sure. Yeah. I'd like wake up in the tent, like jerking, like, man, what, what happened? How long have I been asleep? What's going on? What's going on? You know, I look at my watch and it's been a, maybe a couple minutes, you know, but uh, I did doze off a few times because I was so dead tired. But, uh, and then the, there was another time early on where Doug, Doug was freaking out. Uh, we were probably 30 or 40 feet from each other and he started freaking out. And yeah, I go, what's going on? And he goes, he goes, I just saw something like, like it was, in, like it was cloaked or invisible. And I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, you know that movie, uh, Predator, where Schwarzenegger's in the jungle and there's that like cloaked looking thing and they can, you can barely see it. 
I said, get out of here. I go, really? Are you serious? And so we went and found this video on uh, this YouTube page, uh, Barbara Shoop. I think I've seen have you, have you Have you heard of that? You've seen that video where it's like some look like cloaked looking thing that's moving in the trees, you know? And I showed it to him. He goes, oh, he goes, that's exactly what I saw. I was like, are you serious? And he goes, yeah. And he's not one to, you know, kid around or, or lie or something, you know? And uh, so I want to see that and I want to hear the mind speak too. I haven't heard any of that. I think we've been hit with the uh, infrasound on a couple of occasions where you could feel like a, a warmth in your body and like a vibration and you kind of have an uneasy feeling. Uh, I don't know if that's just fear, but uh, it sure was something I've never felt before, you know. Uh, and when you're putting the cameras but, in the truck, uh, to be clear, they're not sitting up on the dashboard where, where you could see the cameras from outside the truck. No, no. What I did is I took like a, a small lunch bag, soft lunch case, and I cut a hole for the lens, and I put the camera in there, and so the lens is just pointed out, you know. And somehow they you know, don't it, get on camera. That's that to me is. I mean, I know it's true. It's I mean, I've seen it, you know, yeah. again and again. They just they yeah. don't get on game cameras. Yeah, I, I think there's something the cameras are getting given off that we can't see or hear or feel that only they can. There, there's got to there's got to be something to it. There has to be. And like I know. said, that that might be why you're having some luck with your body cameras because they're they're always moving. You know, they're not stationary. Might be harder to to avoid them. You know, if you're you know you're right. walking around and moving. And... Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and, and like tigers, I guess tigers have have infrasound, right? They 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 send out a uh, yeah uh, a sound that yeah. humans can't see. Or, you know, like messes with their prey right it like uh stuns them causes their prey to yeah so uh i don't know if they've been hunting us or uh, i know that we've been surrounded on several occasions they always seem to when we go into our original sighting area or another spot where we know they are i'll always leave a camera on the dash and we're away from the truck there will always be rock throwing or something going on at the truck it's almost as if uh, if some, we do something to hurt one, there's going to be that one waiting, you know, for us, you know, when we get back to the vehicle that's not going to let us leave, you know. Uh, I know, I think it was maybe our fourth or fifth trip back to the original sighting area. It must have been maybe late October or early November of 2015. We got there and it was still dark. The sun was going to come up in about 30 minutes and, I told Doug, I said, I'm not getting out of the truck in the dark. I said, uh, I, I, I'm not doing it. And so he goes, yeah, I don't want to either. So we sat there for a while, and the sun was just, you know, barely, you know, you could barely see some light in the sky, and now you could see your hand in front of your face. And so Doug goes, I'm going to open the driver's side door. So Doug opens the door, and as soon as the dome light comes on, about 50 feet from us in the tree line, you hear one whoop. Woo! Just one. And... So, I mean, and that's happened numerous times where we'll go somewhere and shut the engine off and get out and we'll hear one knock or one whoop, you know. And they, what they do is they, they keep a, a lookout near the road, you know, you know, a war, uh, you know, to warn the others that, you know, there's danger in here, you know. That seems logical. I guess there's a family group or, or what seems like a family group there. Yeah, and, you know, we talked about doing a video about it, maybe calling it speed squatching, where we know for sure where four different family groups are now. 
Yeah, but they're from from where the original siding area is to the furthest one away, it's like a 17 mile apart, you know. So we thought about maybe trying to hit each one on a day and and see, you know and maybe kind of show to people, hey, you know, there there's four family groups out here. You know, go to one and get something to happen, and then go to the next one get something to happen, and then the next one and then the next one. You know, all four in one day. But uh, I do know that the one spot where we camp that night and they mess with us all night in the tents. I do know that somebody else is researching that area because I found, you know, you go to the supermarket and you might buy a bag of fruit and that bag of fruit sometimes is in a plastic bag, but other times it's in like that nylon mesh bag that you would throw away. You know, you tear it open and get oranges or apples out of it, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I found some of those hanging up in trees with string and the, the, they're tore open, the fruit is gone, but the bag has a tag on it that says Kroger, for like Kroger grocery store. Right. And so I know somebody else is in that same spot researching. So hmm. uh, I just haven't ran across them yet. So For the us who are on the other side and, and who are enjoying your adventures, uh, I, I look forward to seeing more, but be careful out there, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, we know when to say enough's enough, uh, and just, you know, we, we need to leave. It's time to go, you know. I don't know. I'm, I'm just hoping that one day there'll be that one that'll step out again when I have a camera going, you know, and be 20 feet away and I'll, you know, get some good footage, you know, be able to prove this thing. But uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens, you know. So. Yeah. So the best place for people to find you is probably your YouTube channel? Yeah, Cascade Bigfoot. And uh, I have hours and hours and hours of footage that I haven't even gone through yet. So... I'm gonna try and go through some of that and maybe get some more stuff posted up. But I think I got 16 or 17 videos on there right now. So, but yeah, man, uh, I appreciate you having me. Uh, oh, thanks for coming on. It's it's a really compelling story. Yeah, I, I like to talk. I like to talk about it. You know, when you when I bring the subject up to people that are leery of it, you know, I get some looks. But uh, I like to talk about it. It's good to talk to people that 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 are interested in the same thing. So sure thing. All right. Well, thanks so much. All right, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Tim. So we flipped things this episode and we put the today before the yesterday. Let's go back in time now with two more stories from my new book, Bigfoot in Pennsylvania, which is available on Amazon or directly from me. The first story is just a short note with not a lot of information. You get these in the old newspaper articles, just these brief mentions of wild men. And it's hard to tell if the wild man in question was indeed a Bigfoot creature or perhaps it was just a feral human or a homeless person. You never know. I still think these brief articles are of interest, though, just to show the sheer number of wild men, whatever they were, that were running across Pennsylvania. The second story is quite a bit longer and offers more detail, but it takes an odd turn at the end. There is a story among our country folk that there is a wild man in the woods in the neighborhood of Easton, and females are actually afraid to come to town alone. We know of several wild men in the borough, and there are no doubt some in the country. From the Wilkes-Barre Advocate, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, October 16, 1839. A 
strange story, and whether true or not, our readers can best judge after they have read it. What is it? A strange being lately made its appearance in the vicinity of our exchange, which has been the cause of much wonder and a good deal of alarm when seen by females and the more timorous of the other sex. Children intuitively clung more closely to their mothers, and all were observed to step lighter and quicker when near it. Numerous and various have been the conjectures what this ominous being was and where it came from, but none cared to satisfy their curiosity by too close of an approximation to hold the object of their astonishment. It was about five feet high, stood erect, and its features completely enveloped in long hair, as black and glossy as the raven's plume. Some said it was Robinson Crusoe, clothed in his goatskin habits, but this was improbable, for the last account we have of the renowned hero states that he was near fourscore years old, while this nondescript was evidently much younger. Others said it was probably Orson, the wild man of the woods, or the wild child lately seen about a certain lake in Michigan. And again, others said it was the chimpanzee which had escaped from its keepers, but it could not be either of these for we have an undoubted recount of the death of the former, and it was evidently too large for either of the latter. It could not be a large Newfoundland dog, nor a bear, for dogs always run on four legs, and bears do not always go on two. What is it was the constant inquiry, and the mystery is now solved by the courage of two loafers who were feeling their tenantless pockets for what had long ceased to abide there, and ruminating on the prospects of a bed in the watch-house or gutter without a supper, and of a dry and thirsty morning, fell in with the hero of our tale near the Girard Bank. Necessity is the mother of invention, and accordingly they determined upon its immediate capture for exhibition to wandering and gaping crowds. Fortune now ceased to frown, and gold dreams of wealth and splendor were before them. No longer would they trudge foot in the dirty streets, no longer go supperless to bed, nor that bed be the bottom of a watch-box, no longer rise in the morning with killing thirst and nothing to allay it. No, perish the thought, Richard's himself again, fearing not but the escape of this anomalous being upon which their hopes depended, they instantly seized it, and all their dreams and glory vanished like the morning cloud or the fleeting visions of the midnight hour, and left them in disappointment and despair, for it proved to be a fellow who had been so unfortunate as to tumble head foremost into a can of Dr. Jane's hair tonic, and who now remained a monument, proof positive, of the extraordinary virtues of the article. From the Public Ledger, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, January 30th, 1847. So I'm not sure what was going on there. It seems to start as a legitimate report with people seeing something very strange, something hair-covered, covered with black hair. At the end, it becomes this bizarre story of these two loafers and what may or may not be an advertisement for Dr. Jane's hair tonic. I feel like the reporter added the ridiculous bits at the end to try to give some humor to the story, but who can say for sure? 
We'll visit some more of these articles from my book in the future. Not every episode, but here and there. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, LLC. Music, books, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com Intro and background music by Stonebreath. Go to stonebreath.bandcamp.com for more. Our reader this episode was Matt Deterior.
so great What hope was broken That leads me to wander this way Oh, why must I wander this way And may I sip the wine As I did drink the blood And may I bring the bread as I broke bread. Upgrade you to our Shred membership. For 130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.